Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the 25th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast with your hosts, Brent Hershey and me, Chris Blessing. We got a great episode for you this week. Brent, how was your week? Good week, Chris. Um, As usual, it's a crazy Monday that we're taping this on, but uh, the week leading up to it was good. And I agree, we got some uh, good stuff for the listeners uh, to talk about, especially having to do with kind of some beginning of the season stuff and uh, also obviously a live look. So um, yes, excited for that. How was your week? My week was good. Um, didn't get to go to any baseball games, which was kind of great because my day job has been crazy. This is kind of the time of the year when we're at the busiest. So uh, it's been wild. Um, Brett, I, you know, you mentioned crazy Monday. I can't believe like you go from a uh, chat to doing, you know, your normal other stuff on, on Mondays. I don't, I don't know how you do that. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Brent has a pretty much an appointment every on noon, right? Every Monday? Yep. Noon Eastern every Monday we do on the site. There's a, uh, a chat that I host and you can hop on there every Monday on the site. You'll find the links to it. Uh, send questions in either ahead of time or uh, during that hour. And um yeah, it's, it's usually a good time. It's uh, it can there can be some prospect questions, but a lot of times it's uh, general fantasy questions and uh, keeps me sharp. Helps me uh, let let me, lets me know what the people out there are thinking and the kind of decisions they're having to make, especially with lineups and stuff on Monday. So, uh, but it's a it's a good time. We do that from about twelve till one noon Eastern time every Monday. Before we get to our lives look segment, which we'll have three guys this week. Uh, Let's talk about some MLB rookie performances. Uh, Brent, there have been a whole lot of guys who have struggled out of the gate so far this year, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, we're a couple, two and a half weeks in, and, uh, you know, you and I were chatting a little bit beforehand, and a lot of the other chatter around is just, you know, how uh, the offense especially is down, and certainly that's also been the case for a couple you know, a handful of these rookies that we were really, um, that we have been really excited about. So I just wanted to run through a couple of them yeah. uh, here and uh, talk about the adjustments they've, you know, they still need to make or, or what needs to happen for them uh, to kind of be productive, especially uh, for us on the fantasy side. And the first one is uh, CJ Abrams, who at the moment is hitting uh, at a 143, 231, 257 slash line. Um, you know, he, he does have a a home run and a stolen base, but you know, he's been five for 35 to start the year. And, you know, the games I've seen, he's just, he's really looked overmatched. Um, he has very little in the way of hard hit balls. I think he has one barrel so far. Um, 
and the the uh, Padres, you know, are are really platooning him. Uh, he just has five of those at bats versus left-handed pitching, so he's basically in there only against righties. Um, you know, I think it's it's just interesting because he's a he's certainly a career. 343 hitter in the minors. Uh, you know, he showed, had shown plenty of doubles power there. Um, slasher, you know, kind of lots of speed. Um, but I think it's, you know, I think he's, he's really young. Um, he doesn't really even have, even, he doesn't even have 200 at bats kind of in the high minors. He had 180 some, uh, at double A back in, uh, before he got hurt, uh, last year and, and none in triple A. So I think we're really, you know, we're really seeing someone here that's that's just uh, kind of over overmatched, really, um, for now, anyway. And I yeah. definitely, people were definitely thinking about. It. I got, I, didn't, I mean, in this chat today, I got a question saying, you know, what's his, you know, does this affect his long term prognosis? And I basically said, no, it's it it doesn't no. affect his long term prognosis at all. Um, it's just it's just the fact that you know, Major League Baseball is is hard, and even these uh, athletic and really talented um, youngsters need to kind of find their way. And, and as we all know, uh, that, that takes some time. So, and he's, uh, he's incredibly young too. He's uh, of the rookies out there. He's probably one of the two or three youngest guys out there. Uh, uh, He also last year had that unfortunate collision that cost the most of his season. So the repetitions aren't necessarily there. So, like, I agree with you, uh, you know, that person asking you in the chat. It's where once these prospects debut, you expect as a fantasy manager that they come and they produce right away. And that's not necessarily ever the case, really. We had a few years where it seemed like everybody that got called up was awesome from the get go. That's not the norm. And especially right now with the offense kind of depressed, we'll say we won't speculate any further on why it's depressed. But uh, there's there's issues that rookies have to handle. The speed of the game, um, the difference in competition, it's it's a lot better, as you say. Um, And, you know, for the first time, they're seeing consistently guys that hit their spots around the strike zone, not in the middle, unless you, you know, are one of those pitchers that that can get away with the throwing in the middle of the plate. So like a guy like Abrams, a guy that is 2019 draftee out of high school is in major leagues right now, 2022. So like with missing 2020 and missing most of 2021, I think it's a success story that he's there right now. Hold your, uh, worry until probably 2024, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think, you know, he's shown, I mean, certainly the athleticism in there is just, you can, you can see it when it's, uh, when you watch him during the games, but it's just, yeah, it, it just seems like at least for now, kind of the, the speed of the game and everything is, uh, is just something he hasn't experienced. And I, I think out of the guys that we're going to talk about, I mean, I would be, uh, the least surprise, um, you know, if Abrams maybe gets, um, you know, gets some more minor league time here soon. I mean, especially, you know, even if, even it's, even if it's before Tatis comes back, um, I think that, uh, they, the Padres may have 
you know, seen what they need to see and, and have, uh, have what they need to communicate to him on what to work, uh, mm-hmm. on work that out in, in, uh, triple a, yeah. uh, well, sooner rather than You've got two other guys here, and one of the guys we talked about kind of at length earlier, uh, I think our first podcast of the year, maybe episode 21, and that was, uh, I I voiced my concern in that, I think you kind of agreed with me, that there was some swing and miss that was really kind of affecting my immediate evaluation of Bobby Witt Jr., so uh, actually, I only saw him on opening day. <laughs> I haven't watched any other Royals uh, broadcasts since then. Uh, so, Brent, um, it, it looks yeah. like he's struggling. Yeah, he certainly. I mean, um, he's at uh, batting average of 185, on base of 214, slugging of 278. Um, you know, there's a little bit of uh, batting average and balls in play here. He's uh, 263 on those balls in play. But, you know, you look at the stat cast page, and it's just, you know, it's really not what you expect. Um, even when you try to have, you know, uh, realistic expectations, doesn't have any barrels yet. Um, his average exit velocity is, is below, um, is below the major league average. And it's, you know, it's really something that he's not handling. And this, you know, could well be related that he's not handling fastballs very well, uh, so far. Again, you know, very limited sample. Um, but, you know, he's, he's seen, you know, 53% of the pitches he's seen has been fastballs and he's batting, uh, you know, 160 on them, uh, with like three singles and, and a double. And that's pretty much it. I mean, and which is sort of, you know, a, a little bit concerning, I think. And, you know, there's small sample sizes and we're still early on here. And, you know, over the weekend, um, he got, he has a little four game hit streak gone. So, uh, possibly, He's adjusting that way. And, and kind of unlike Abrams, I think uh, Witt is kind of, you know, on a longer leash, probably here to stay uh, a little longer. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that it's probably time to kind of, you know, reconsider some of our expectations for his uh, rookie year, uh, especially from the fantasy world in the light of kind of how high exactly he was uh, going in some of these uh, redraft leagues and you know that we were all excited about uh as he had a great spring training yeah he was in uh as i call luis uh robert um, um area of these drafts where he was the hot commodity and you know robert you know at least delivered uh somewhat i mean of course the next season was when he kind of had a bit of a breakout and then got hurt had an even bigger breakout after that but like that's the issue with Drafting a guy in a redraft in the first 100 picks, that's a rookie. Uh, sure, he might get some stolen bases. And, you know, stolen bases is fool's gold um, in the prospect world. It might even be fool's gold in the regular redraft uh, world, too. But it's fool's gold. And, you, you know, they saw the power. They saw the high batting average. And, you know, there were several, several warning signs there. Um and it didn't help that spring training he was absolutely on. I mean, he was, uh, for the second spring training in a row, just tattooed everything. Yeah, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just a good reminder because all three of these guys, uh, we'll talk about Julio Rodriguez here in a little bit, but all three of them just had super spring trainings and got us all uh, hyped up for that. And I think it's just an interesting reminder that here, you know, just two and a half weeks past that, 
um, you know, these, all three of these guys are struggling to some extent and just not having the success uh, of what they did in the spring. And it just goes to show that, uh, you know, that once the, I think once the light go on and the, and the pitchers are uh, done working on what they're, you know, kind of working on during the spring and the, and the minor leaguers, the double A guys are back in double A. Um, you know, it's just uh, the, the uh, degree of difficulty is quite a bit more, it's quite a bit higher yes. uh, in the major leagues here. I totally agree with that. Um, you already mentioned Holy Julio Rodriguez. You already got, you know, the cats out of the bag here. So, uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Julio Rodriguez. His slash line right now is 196, 274, 250. Um, doesn't sound like what we were expecting out of spring, uh, Brent. Uh, what's yeah, the story? And, yeah, and uh, and again, um, you know, just the, the his amazing sort of uh, spring training and uh, all the excitement and uh, in some of the big kind of. NFBC main address and main event drafts. He was, uh, you know, his price was skyrocketing as it became more clear he was going to make the team. Um, he, he's kind of, uh, you know, the numbers are better for him, uh, than Witt and Abrams, um, had, hadn't, you know, kind of five hits over the weekend. Actually, what was interesting is that KC and, uh, Seattle were playing each other and both, uh, Witt and, uh, Rodriguez had, pretty much their best series, I think, from the bat uh, perspective of their young careers. Um, but when you look at his StatCast page, uh, you know, there's more red on it there, which are which is a good thing um, if you're not familiar with StatCast pages, uh, where his, you know, average exit velocity is really good. He's hitting a ton of, uh, of hard hit balls up near, uh, almost near 60% of his uh, batted ball events are coming off at 95 miles per hour more, which uh, constitutes a, a hard hit. Has a few uh, barrels, but he's hitting a lot of those uh, high-velocity ground uh, balls into the ground. Um, and he has a lot of strikeouts, too, uh, just like a 60% contact rate. The other, the other thing for him, um, and it's especially it's gotten better here over the past week or so, is that he is running uh, a good deal. And obviously that's something that um, – fantasy managers are appreciative of. He has six stolen bases uh, there. So probably like Witt, I think that uh, especially if he can kind of keep up even this modest success that he had over the past uh, five, six games, uh, he's probably, uh, his roster spot is safe. But uh, kind of before that, I think there were some legitimate concerns about because of how much he was striking out um, you know, that he, and, and that he wasn't getting hits that, uh, perhaps he would need another trip to the, the minors as well. Well, I mean, and, and this is a case, you know, I'm not making an excuse for him, just like, uh, CJ Abrams, but, a, another guy that has missed a lot of time, um, between when he's debuted in the minor leagues to right now, he's had yeah. a lot of knickknack injuries and, and that sort of thing, you know, does pile up a bit, um, when it comes to development. I agree here. I think that there's 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 better signs here. This is this is a guy that seems to be getting through. Uh, very surprised by the the amount of grounders uh, that 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 he's had so far. I yeah. think that's I think that's the biggest biggest surprise. Not even the contact. Like uh, so so what's probably happening is his swing plane 
mind you, I, I've only watched one Mariners game, but his swing plane is not getting to elevation. Um, so it's basically staying um, below his belt. So he's unable to get lift. Uh, probably two seamers are beating him probably um, uh, with, you know, batted ball stuff. The two seamers are beating him. Also probably some breaking pitches uh, that are going out of the zone. And he's more than likely not getting to that high fastball. Uh, so if, if those things improve, you can see that contact rate come up uh, um, specifically. And that's without seeing him. Like when you see something like that, lots of grounders and tons of strikeouts and 60% contact rate, uh, they, and the pitchers are basically breaking balls down and uh, uh, fastballs up. And uh, the two seamers are what he's getting contact off of. Wondering aloud here, Brent, um, we saw probably more debuts and first week promotions than we've seen in a while. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Well, top like, guys. Yeah, top you, guys you, especially. Yeah, top guys. Do you think that this might affect that? Uh, possibly, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to think as a team would think. I mean, I think that some of those are that those uh, early promotions or making the major league roster is a direct effect of the CBA changes um, for that. Um, I, I mean, I think there are people most likely at the team levels who are making those decisions that were just as excited about Abrams and Witt and Rodriguez's chances uh, to kind of, uh, you know, that they were ready for uh, major league pitching and such. So I don't know that it would change. Uh, I don't know that it would change much. Do you, do you think it would affect that? No, I just thought it, like, I was wondering aloud. It was something that I yeah. kind of gave up with just now. Um, yeah. Like, I I mean, and this is my strategy. I don't know how you handle rookies on your squads. But for the most part, at this point, maybe, like, earlier in my fantasy playing time, I, you know, would try to get the bats out there and see how they would do and that kind of thing. But now it's more the pitching. Um, you know, we didn't talk about any – you know, weak rookie performances. I mean, there has, I mean, we, we've already kind of talked about some guys uh, that have had good debuts. Matt Brash, I, I know he got hit up in another uh, start, but he's looked good in, mm -hmm. in a, at least a couple of his performances. Pitching is more likely. I mean, uh, Contreras, Renzi Contreras, uh, <laughs> the yeah. best Pirates pitcher now pitching in AAA. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love the Pirates. But anyway, uh, like I think that it's more uh, – I'm more apt to throw in a pitcher into my roster for a week uh, than a hitter um, until he proves that he can um, he can battle. That, that's interesting because I, I've always kind of done it the other way. I've always been more um, apt to go after or, or to kind of trust the – rookie bats more than the pitchers, but you're exactly right that this year, I mean, when I went to do this exercise and pull some guys out that's struggling, uh, I mean, I considered a couple of pitchers, but it's been more uneven than it has been really, you know, really struggling to the level of these guys. You have, you know, Lodolo's had a decent start as well. We got hit around some, uh, Hunter Green, the same thing. Uh, Yoan Adone has been, uh, a similar, uh, like that. And of course you mentioned brash too. So it's not like, you know, those guys, uh, have been up and after three starts through, they've gotten, uh, you know, tattooed each time there's been 
enough for those <clears throat> three. And I think other, uh, if there's, um, you know, I may be missing a guy or two, um, others, but, uh, Contreras is one too, that, you know, they've not really gotten, they've not had problems, uh, for through all three that would be concerning enough to the level, um, statistically like this Abrams, Witt and Rodriguez have had. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I think that ends the rookie performers section of our um, our show today. Uh, yeah. We are going to head over to the live looks segment, which I'll let uh, Brent introduce since I'm going to be the, the star of it this week. Yeah, we're uh, excited that uh, you were able to get back to the field over the past couple of weeks anyway. And um, I guess you have uh, one kind of uh, one kind of look from from your actual visits and a couple video looks as well. Uh, the first guy on our list um, is uh, from the White Sox system. And we know from talking about them that uh, that's not the deepest system for sure. Uh, as we found out kind of as I know, as you found out putting that together uh, for the organizational report and, and, and the book. Um, but the top guy that's uh, kind of on that list is shortstop Jose Rodriguez. And I know you got a chance to see him uh, a week or two ago, sounds like he's sort of struggled. Well, I guess it's his, he's had an interesting past so far in these first three plus weeks. And uh, why don't you tell us about that? I had him as the number one prospect uh, this off season. And I'm going to tell you that like, I could have slid like three or four different white socks in there. And to me, his performance last year was the performance of, of, of a guy that should be the number one prospect in this organization. You know, not a top 100 guy. None of these guys are top 100 guys in this organization. However, this guy went through three levels, played in the Arizona Fall League, which, uh, I you know, I got to see him in the Fall League. Did you get to see him? Uh, yeah, quickly. I don't think I got as many looks as you did, but uh, definitely saw him out there. And, you know, it was kind of uh, underwhelmed, let's say. I mean, like, I mean, we're used to kind of the top guy in the organization being, uh, you know, kind of kind of having some excitement about him. And uh, while I didn't get a long look at him, what stood out to me and the short look I had was kind of, eh, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of saw him as a guy that was this solid major leaguer. I gave him an eight. Uh, you know, I, I saw some potential there. Uh, he does hit a lot of ground balls at this point in his career. And I think that what I saw, and I think the struggles that I've seen so far this year, is a guy that's trying to get elevation on a swing, but it's not natural. So, you know, kind of breaking this down, he has a uh, open stance, upright stance. He has his hat. His hat. <laughs> he has his bat on his shoulder while the pitch is delivered. And And what ends up happening here, which is the thing that, I saw in my look, and as we got on to later on, they went home after this series, and they played Biloxi. And the Birmingham Barons have one of the better um, broadcasts on MILB. So I went ahead and watched uh, that series. And, and he has seemed to have uh, not necessarily completely corrected this issue, but uh, is no longer hitting in part. So when his bat goes back to the hit position, when I was scouting him, he would hitch. The hitch is still there, but the hitch, he doesn't stop anymore. He has his timing back. Uh, when I, we talk about hitting in parts, just think about 
Um, you know, uh, most of our fluid swings, hitting parts, it's like you get to the hit position, you stop, and then you start your hands forward. And it's all a mechanical movement as opposed to this fluid, beautiful thing that so many hitters that we get to see in the major leagues do. So he was definitely having some struggles uh, when, when I got to see him, unfortunately. He started to get more... Uh, you know, fluid in his swing, still the hitch is there, which causes him some issues against velocity. And uh, he's always been a guy that has allowed the ball to travel to his kitchen. But right now, I think the only fastball he can hit is to go the other way. If he pulls the fastball, it's on the ground, and it's uh, basically driven right into the 5-6 hole. And yep. when he drives it into the 5-6 hole, it's usually like he – you know, lucks into hits, essentially. Uh, he has a long swing um, on some of these swings, and, like, he's a faster hitter than what his home-to-first times, faster runner, I should say, than his home-to-first times suggest. It's, mm -hmm. like, 4.56 home-to-first uh, on, on an infield single that I scouted. He's only really pulling um, um, off-speed pitches, so, like, there, yeah. there's some danger here right now. And when you're, and when you just for those that, uh, you know, just to be clear, when you're talking about a hitch, you mean kind of hand, extra hand movement, right? Like in yes. a load position, kind of up and down that just, uh, can, you know, can, can sort of take that extra split second, like you said, that you can then be, I mean, the downside is that, you know, without the bat speed, you can kind of be beat, uh, be beaten inside by hard stuff. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. So and that was a good question. So a hitch. Uh, you'll hear something like the bat wrap as well. That's another an, another right. popular one. Uh, a hitch is usually when you drop your hands. Okay. Um, if you remember Eric Davis, Eric Davis hitched on every bat, yeah. uh, every mm. bat that he had. Uh, but he had such bat speed. I mean, uh, some of the fastest bat speed, fastest hands that we've ever seen. Uh, but yeah. as he aged, he had to become a different hitter because he could not. Uh, maintain that bat speed, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and that's what's happening with him is he doesn't have that. He has maybe average to above average bat speed. So it's mm -hmm. not necessarily a guy that can catch up with the hitch in his his swing. So, so that's one concern I do have about him. Let's be honest. Um, I don't have much confidence in the White Sox scouting, or not scouting, um, getting this out of their players. Um, so yeah. concerning, uh, but we talked about Cespedes last week and he, Yoquay Cespedes, um, um, Yoannis' brother, he has made improvements. So, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe this is the case, but this guy, Rodriguez, looks worse than he did last year when he looked good. Yeah, I was gonna. One thing, you know, too, just kind of going back on a, on a broader sense is that at one point when I was, um, you know, back starting out scouting and observing players, I often would see players with hitches, and uh, you know, just kind of write them off totally. And uh, and uh, you know, so sometimes it can be that way with a bat wrap too. I think it. I think the distinction is, I mean, you can still be successful with those. I mean, I think when you talk about a bat wrap, uh, one uh, name you know, historical name that comes to mind is like Gary Sheffield, right? Who just obviously, uh, you know, had, had the waggle and, and kind of, uh, a, a rap in before he got his hands going, but again, you know, overcame it with just, uh, incredible, uh, wrist speed 
um, through the zone and that sort of thing. And I, I just remember, you know, seeing Eddie Rosario uh, in double A back many years ago. He had a big old hitch from the left side. And I was like, wow, I can't, I can't imagine that this guy is going to be able to be successful at the higher levels. And what, and, you know, uh, guys change and he's toned it down some. Um, and I think it's still there. Uh, but, you know, these, these types of things, uh, you know, can make it less likely, I think, that you, uh, that a player can be a successful major leaguer, but just, but doesn't totally, uh, you know, doesn't totally take away that possibility given some of the other physical attributes. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's, it's, it's hard to when you see somebody and you're evaluating them, you have to make that decision whether yeah. whether you believe in a guy enough. And like Rosario is a guy that's a perfect example of somebody that you know I I kind of wrote off too. I didn't think that uh, it was going to yeah. happen for him, but you know he reworked it. The Eddie Rosarios of the world, the Gary uh, Sheffields and the Eric Davis of the world are the rare ones that that you know yeah. um, can totally either fix it or don't really mind uh, with the with a bat wrap or with a hitch because they have such explosive bat speed. I mean, if you really look at Ronald Acuna, he he, he hitches his hands. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. again, you have lightning quick bat speed. So like that, that really helps him um, yeah. uh, you know, get where he is. So anyway, I, I would probably downgrade Rodriguez to maybe an average player at this point. Um, uh, just because I don't see the bat speed, and if this is what he needs to do to get to power, uh, this is a you know maybe a top fifteen shortstop uh, yeah. if he develops, and so that's that's not as prestigious as you know I kind of look at an eight as being a potential top ten shortstop, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so sure. you know a little bit of a a, a discount on him at this point, um, um, given yeah. what I've seen. Sounds yeah, sounds good. Uh, let's move on to the second guy you uh, want to chat about, um, and that's Bobby Miller, right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers. There was definitely some positive buzz uh, about Miller uh, over the off-season. Uh, had a good spring training, and there was a, I believe, a late spring training game against the Angels that uh, he really impressed uh, with. So I'm interested just to uh, hear your evaluation, and uh, interested to know you know, kind of how close you think he is at this point. So, yeah, uh, this week I, of course, didn't watch any baseball live at this park. So I went to the videotape and uh, for my article this last week, I wrote two um, prospects from the low A East from last week, I should say, low A Southeast, which is now the Florida State League again. I concentrated on double A and specifically I have four organizations in double A that I cover. And one of them is the Arizona um, uh, Farm System, which is uh, Amarillo um, Sod Pony, uh, uh, Poodle, Sod Poodles. Bobby Miller happened to be starting the game that I watched. So uh, easy, easy selection here of a guy that I needed to see. Gave up one hit during this game. It was the first inning. It was a beautifully placed hit by Carol, um, uh, Corbin Carroll, the top uh, D-backs mm, prospect. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, you know, it was good seeing that. It was good seeing that man's uh, back control and taking it the other way. Um, all I'm going to say here is we have very few guys that we talk about that um, you really can't cop to anybody in today's game. And Corbin Carroll is one of those guys. So uh, on-base percentage, some power, 
um, and excellent um, ability to, to spray the field. Uh, the speed combination is, is just ma masterful. So anyway, back to Bobby Miller. When do I see him coming here? Uh, the thing is, is I saw a pitcher that is working on several different things. Um, uh, first off, he's a big frame guy. He's, he's probably about 6'5". Um, I would guesstimate 240-ish. Uh, he's, he's listed at 220. It's hard for me to see 220. Uh, uh, he's just a giant guy. And um, I, I would say that he still has some room to build muscle. Um, that, I mean, that's how, how big this guy is. He was a college uh, drafted first rounder out of Louisville. Um, so big velocity. And he, and he does a really good job of, even though he has a bit of a long uh, arm circle, he does a good job of repeating his delivery. He does a really good job of getting to his release point, despite his size and despite a longer uh, arm circle. What I saw was a, a guy, he was sitting 96 to 100 uh, miles per hour. Uh, I mean, it was it was hard and heavy. Uh, the fastball, uh, the four-seam fastball had improved. There, there's more ride to it. He, he throws from a high three-quarters uh, slot, and there, there's much more ride to it than what I saw from last year. Last year, he his two-seamer was a little bit better, and sometimes uh, both of those pitches would kind of mix in with each other, and you never knew what was coming and what not. Uh, and, and usually it was a two-seamer that won out over the four-seamer. And this year, uh, in this start, and I also watched another start to do some research, but uh, it, it looks like the four-seamer has improved. And I, I heard an interview, and, and this is going to go off on a little tangent, with Charlie Morton, uh, the Braves' starting pitcher. I guess he's their veteran um, veteran uh, workforce now in that organization. Uh, but Charlie said his best pitch is the two-seamer, um, which, which I think we all can admit his two-seamer throughout the years was, was great. However... Um, you know, with the swing planes changing and and what the hitters were trying to do against Charlie, he had to find a four-seamer. And he found that, well, I think with the Astros, uh, and then just continue refining it. And and he explained that in, in this interview, and this was uh, um, pre-spring training last year on MLB Network, that uh, because his four-seamer got better, his two-seamer, he still considered a better pitch. But he lost some of that that movement because of how he had to throw his four seam fastball. So this all made him a better pitcher at the cost of his two seamer. So when we say the two seamers might have backed up, it's made the pitch that he needs in today's game be better, which is the four seam fastball. So we're seeing more ride with it. Uh, we're also seeing some uh, tailing action. Sometimes it's arm side uh, run or it's uh, tailing away um, from, in, you know, towards the glove side. What about uh, what's the rest of his arsenal like? Uh, is it a breaking ball or change up? Uh, what's, uh, what's Miller? Uh, what's Miller give us in that in that perspective? Well, he he does throw a cutter. He only threw like two in this one game. Uh, they were both 90 miles per hour. In the other game, it was 89, 90. Um, and it, it's a fair pitch. I, I mean, it seems like everybody has a cutter. It's good variation off the fastball. It's thrown at the same, you know, in the same tunnel. So it does give a different, interesting look. Um, his main secondary is his slider. Uh, I actually like the curveball a little better, but he has really, um, when he, when he um, spins off a good curveball, 
it, it looks like a you know the legit curveball um, plus pitch type deal. Um, but the consistency of it is why he doesn't throw it that often. It, it's it's more of eleven to you know six breaker type deal uh, on the clock. So uh, then looking at his sliders, he's more consistent on the slider. It's a tighter pitch. However, if the movement profile doesn't really you know elicit many whiffs. Um, so. Uh, it, it's more like a 50 pitch, uh, an average uh, pitch, while his curveball might be a below average pitch. And if he was able to stick it more, it could be an above average pitch. Seeing the changeup really kind of take a, be- uh, a step forward this year uh, was a welcome sign. Um, and mostly what I got to see was that it was featuring, uh, you know, it's sitting 84, 87 with arm side run profile. Uh, and he sells it really well off of his fastball, and it tunnels really well. And on his better changeups, and which were most of his changeups actually in both of these games, there was some late drop uh, in the progression, and it was it was really hard for hitters uh, to adjust to that. So for me, uh, it probably could potentially plus, I would say it's probably going to end up above average, especially if he uh, can sell it a little better. Um, but like, I think the package is very dependent on the four seamer. Uh, and if everything else plays off of that, essentially, it will mm-hmm. make the pitches better. Um, uh, the slider will be better because he can command it. And if he can ever really, I, I really think that equalizer is, is, is getting that curveball to, to really, um, you know, be more consistent to really round out. So, yeah. Right now, do I think he's in the major leagues this year? Um, I think there's a possibility, but it's only as a reliever. Um, I don't think he has the control command yet to be anything more than that. Mm -hmm. But you, but but kind of long term, you still see him as a a starter. I mean, they all yeah, I got him him more of a frontline starter. So uh, another philosophy thing that's been put in my head by a scout recently is that there's no such thing as mid-rotation starters. They're either really good uh, or having a bad year and they're number one or number two guy, or Mm -hmm. they are a number four, number five guy that's um, overproducing. There's no such thing as SP3. So I don't know if you're going to see many SP3s out of Chris, but... Uh, this guy, this guy has the upside of the SP one, SP two. I would like to see more swings and misses uh, with his pitches, but uh, you know it, it's coming. I mean, the kid's throwing ninety nine, and he's you know a lot of times dotting the strike zone with it. So I mean, it's a pretty nasty yeah. pitch, and he can throw yeah. that slider for a strike at will. So uh, yeah. just a good combination of a, of a pitcher here. Yeah, very exciting. I know. Uh, yeah, certainly will be. Someone will keep an eye on, and uh, like you said, could well, could well debut uh, for the Dodgers out of the pen this year. Would not be surprising at all. Uh, third guy uh, is another pitcher from Arizona, Brandon Fought, um, and that's spelled P F A A D T. Um, what can you tell us about uh, Fought? So Fought was a guy that. Um you know, kind of really took off last year, kind of came in his own. He's from a smaller college. Um, I can't remember which college now. You would you would think that I would prepare and, and, and read the, uh, you know, write this. So, Brent, can you please research that? 
Yes. He is from Bellarmine University in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. I, I mean, the this guy got pulled, you know, from there. Um, and that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, a good scouting job. But like uh, uh, the amazing thing about that was he really performed at the Cape Cod League and Arizona. Arizona has a type. And, um, you know, again, I was watching Arizona and this was actually I scouted him both in the, um, the series with Tulsa. And then I watched him against the Padres double uh, A affiliate in San Antonio. You know, I, I kind of took the, the San Antonio game because uh, he looked really good and I was able to see everything. Also, it was pretty eye-popping that his strike rate on his fastball was 87%. Uh, you don't normally see that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to see what he was doing. So uh, just like uh, Bobby Miller, this guy is a tall dude. He's like six foot four. Um, he's very athletic, actually. He's very athletic delivery. Uh, he has like a, a bit of a hesitation uh, where he kind of pumps the ball in his glove, takes it out, and, and then puts it back in before uh, going and releasing it. Uh, this little hesitation in his delivery also really kind of gets him pretty good extension, too, and kind of creates a bit of a deception. It's a, it's a three-quarters delivery, and it's... Uh, like he very pinpoint obviously with an 87 percent fastball rate in the game i scouted there were several swings and misses on, on that fastball and what i really enjoyed about it was uh and and this is something that a lot of the arizona um pitchers do whether it's dre jameson who i also watched during this season but we've already covered him brent got him uh, in the off season so i didn't need to talk about him and and also bryce jarvis um is that they they utilize their fastball the way you need to utilize your fastball. They they will start, you know, on the corners, um, in the middle of the plate, and then as they get further into the count uh, in their favor, they start climbing the ladder. And a lot of his swings and misses for strikeouts was the only pitch that in that progression that was out of the zone. It was almost as if he just baited the guy to take a riding fastball and uh, try to swing at it. I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, this guy was, is very, he's very fun to watch. He works very quickly and, and just all of that. So the fastball is, is sitting, let's see, he was sitting mostly low 90s. Yeah, 91 to 95 is what I had him at. He had 13 swings and misses off his fastball, which is a pretty high amount. Um, yeah. Uh, and and it's a very flat plane fastball, so you know living up in the zone is really good. But down in the zone, he tends to get some, uh, you know, some a run even even down. So like it's it's not completely a pitch that um, uh, is affected low in the zone. Uh, it's it's actually it, it's so small run. It's almost like it's a little cut down in the zone. Not big velocity fastball, but the fastball really plays. Yeah, and you said his delivery is more kind of a a flat fastball, so it's, you know, he's got that uh, vertical approach angle kind of thing that we've talked about going on. Yeah, like he's trying he's trying to um, the the flatness of his fastball is making it harder for guys to to really read it and 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 see it, and it's creating a rise even when the rise isn't there. But there's plenty of rise to his fastball. Uh, especially when he's throwing it, um, you know, towards the, you know, across the letters for a hitter, it, it just it just explodes right out of the zone. 
And his secondaries, what do they uh, what do they like to complete his package? Well, this offseason, his slider was his best pitch, and it still kind of remains that. It's a two-plane, tighter, uh, shorter, uh, you know, with some of the gyro break. Um, it, he has very advanced command of it, can throw it in and out of the zone. Uh, I think the commands will kind of plays it up as a plus pitch. Um, again, same, same, same thinking here. Um, you know, there's some organizations that do this better. I don't know if Arizona is one of them at this point. They see a slider, and while it might not be the, 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 you know, the greatest movement in the world, it's a movement that if you can hit spots with it and live just inside the outside, you know, um, on the glove side on the outside corner or just, you know, away from the outside corner, guys can't hit that pitch. And then he also threw kind of a curveball, which which looked a lot like the slider. It just was was a longer break, and uh, you know, kind of changed the eye level more because of that longer break. Uh, and this, of course, you know, there was some speed differential with it too. But again, it, it's not necessarily a pitch more than a, a show me pitch. And then finally, he also threw a changeup that he showed flashes of. And mostly that kind of was like an arm side uh, running slider. It, it sat in the 85, 87 range. Uh, it had a trouble commanding it um, specifically against left-handed batters, but against same side batters. In both starts that I watched, uh, the one against the Tulsa Drillers and the first start, he actually had two starts last week against San Antonio. Uh, in that first start, he got uh, a right-handed batter, and I can't remember who it was, um, to strike out on that uh, changeup in, actually. And it had some late fade as well. So, like, um, it seemed like he was more comfortable throwing that pitch in both games to right-handed batters. Um, but, again, I, I, I think it's at best, the, you know, when he throws a really good one, it's an above-average pitch. Uh, but mostly um, it's a below average pitch when, when he does throw it. So, again, it, this is really dependent on his fastball. I, I watch his fastball, and I think a lot about Joe Ryan, the swings that I see, uh, especially from left-handed hitters. Yeah. Um, they, don't, they don't see the ball well out of his hand. Of course, the fastball is so flat that yeah. uh, I, I don't think they ever really see it. So uh, this is the guy that, you know, having those other pitches, this, this might be your guy that's just above Joe Ryan. Uh, and I know Ryan's had some success so far um, mm-hmm. in, in the big leagues. This is a guy that might, you know, kind of ride that same train where, you know, throws a little harder, has a little bit better secondary pitches than Joe Ryan, doesn't throw the fastball as much, but like has that sort of, you know, working that upper half of the strike zone and um, not being able to be seen from left-handed batters. Yeah. So since there's no number three mid-rotation guys, is this a number two or a number four? I would actually say that he is a number three. <laughs> Let's just cop this out here. Uh, uh, you know, we could also say that he's he's probably more on the four line um, for me, just because I have Joe Ryan on the four line. Um, yeah. But who knows? Um, you know, a valuable guy. I think that he's a long-term starter. Uh, certainly a lot of information you brought to us this week out of the looks. Uh, Jose Rodriguez, shortstop for the White Sox. Bobby Miller, right-hander for the Dodgers. And Brandon Fought, a uh, right-hander for the Diamondbacks. Thanks so much for uh, breaking those guys down for us. As we conclude, take a look at where we'll be this week. What are you going to – what's on your schedule to try to get to this week? 
I am headed to Rome tomorrow. So when this is uh, released as the recording, I will be heading down to Rome to see Pirates and Braves prospects. I hope to cool. finish up my Vaughn Grisham, uh, who's a Braves prospect. Who I, I think some sites have him as potential top 100 um, or on the cusp of the top 100 uh, prospect. Um, I haven't seen it so far. Um, I was concentrated pretty heavily on those Yankees prospects the first time through. So I'm going to give him another shot. Um, and then the Pirates have two catchers that are coming through. Um, uh, of course, we all know Henry Davis, who was drafted um, first overall last year by the Pirates. Um, but um, Andy Rodriguez, who had a really big year in the Florida State League, or um, last year, I guess it was Class A Southeast, uh, had a really big year for Bradenton. So I'm, I'm very interested to see him in live action. Uh, and then I'm going to move on uh, to Chattanooga on Thursday. Uh, Brandon Williamson, uh, who was acquired um, mm. from the Mariners, uh, will be starting that game. And then I'm going to get another look at Matt McLean, uh, the shortstop for the Reds. Um, he is my subject this week. Um, so, like, when I publish that article for my Eyes Have It, my Eyes Have It article of the week, uh, I'm going to see McLean again that same day. Um, luckily, a lot of good video out there of him. And my one-day look was phenomenal. I got to see all aspects of his game, even some struggles, some some uh, good saw some power potential uh, that we um, were a little concerned with coming out. And th they're going to be playing Tennessee. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's the Cubs AA affiliate. Not the strongest group of guys. They have about three guys that kind of fall into that roll three, roll four area. Roll three is usually up-down guy. Roll four is a bench platoon type dude. Uh, I think Nelson Velasquez is probably the most known of those guys. Uh, Ryan Jensen, who was a first-round pick, pick, he's a pitcher. So hopefully I run into all, all of those guys. Um, but really, truly, I'm going to say that uh, I don't not really looking to bring some Tennessee smoky stuff to the podcast, uh, at least this time. So, uh, Brent, where will you be this week? There is a chance I might get to uh, Aberdeen this week where uh, Jersey Shore is visiting. Um, both Aberdeen and Jersey Shore, um, Orioles and uh, Phillies, high A squads uh, have some really interesting guys to them. We'll, uh, we'll see. That's still to be determined. Got some other home life home life thing is going on uh this week um but that's still we'll have to see whether i can uh get out there or not yeah. thank you for joining us on this week's eyes habit podcast this was an absolute blast as always thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of our podcast and please share this uh i we'd love to hear from you as well you can ask us questions at the eyes habit at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Brent is at Brent at HQ. And you can find me at C underscore blessing. If you're a first time listener to our pod, please subscribe to future episodes. And also, as I already said, spread the word on us. Uh, we, we could use as many people listening to this. I know that we're in the fantasy realm of things and you might not want your fellow managers in your league knowing where you're getting your dynasty information from, but share it with people that aren't in your league. Uh, we would enjoy to, you know, a bigger 
listenership. So anyway, until next time, see you later. <laughs>